live from the Lakeside Studios of WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. This is your source for Northwestern Wildcat Athletics. Taphorn's got the ball, 1.7 seconds left in a tie ball game. Baseball pass all the way to the other end. Harden catches, he has a chance, left-handed hook, got it! Going deep, man wide open, caught at the five, end zone, touchdown, Sullivan Ball! Tosh for three, no good, Law is there, and we got a ball game! And now, here's the sports voice. Welcome to what could be a melancholy episode of Sports Voice tonight, but hey, at least it's the first night of Hanukkah. I'm Ben Mosco here alongside Nick Young, and we're bringing you some fresh takes on the heels of the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. We got a lot to unpack here tonight, so stay with us for the next hour to hear it all. So, Nick, going into this game, uh, what were kind of your expectations for this team? Oh, you know, I think it was up and down. I think I thought Northwestern could keep it with them I thought uh, Northwestern had the defensive mindset to hold Haskins to what you could possibly hold Haskins to I mean you know he's going to put up points but I thought it was mostly on the offense for me um, I mean if you go back to Ohio State's game versus Maryland they put up they let Maryland put up 51 points um, so I thought it was up to Bowser and, and Thorson and Nagel and Skoranek to be able to get points on the board so that the defense didn't have to rely on trying to stop Haskins. Yeah, and Haskins, what a game he did have. 34 for 41, over 80% of his passes completed, 499 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, the stats just go on and on. I think it's the most yards a, that Northwestern has ever given up to an opposing quarterback. Um, it seemed like his receivers were just always open, able to get free. What role do you think the Northwestern secondary played in um? having those receivers available? Um, you know, injuries didn't help. I mean, Hardage going out um, did not help at all. But I think there were a couple times where we played zone and we weren't getting to Haskins right away. He had five, six seconds inside the pocket. Sometimes he had more scrambling outside. And I think the length of plays um, really aided to the wide receivers of Ohio State because Northwestern a couple times got lost on their zone coverages. Um, I look back to uh, the very first touchdown that Ohio State scored. Um, Haskins was um, scrambling side to side. He scrambled out to the right. Um, and I don't remember who the linebacker was, but he got caught pushing up, and their wide receiver came up behind, and he, he was just wide open. It was just an easy toss. And when you think about it, this team just oh, – Ohio State, uh, I mean, of course, uh, just a lot of – a lot of talent on this team, and coming in, well, you, you could just look at the line to tell that Ohio State was favored pretty big in this game, and nothing on the stat sheet would tell you that Northwestern would have a chance in this game, and uh, towards the end of play, kind of looked like that. The score maybe didn't reflect everything, but uh, certainly the, the, um, just the speed of the Northwestern uh, defense was not quite up to par uh, especially when it came to those reserve cornerbacks. Uh, one shot downfield that Haskins took to Terry McLaurin uh, just absolutely exposed uh, one Northwestern cornerback. Uh, and it was a 3rd and 20 play, but he was just outraced down the field. And 
of course, just a gift wrap throw from Dwayne Haskins to uh, get him the ball in that situation. We were playing a cover three at that point, and I had actually left the game, so I was watching it on the monitors. Um, and Northwestern should not be beat downfield on a third and 20. I mean, you know that they're going to try and take that shot downfield, but that cornerback or that cornerback has to stay deeper than that than their, their wide receiver. I, I mean, he got beat down playing a coverage that he should be way deeper. I just it was there were moments in the game where Northwestern cornerbacks just failed to do their jobs. Um, and although there was a lot of inexperience and a lot of sort of pressure on them to to do that job and sometimes they weren't up to it, you know, it didn't help that Hardage was out and that we had key cornerbacks out, but they I think that was one of the key parts of the game that that led to Ohio State's victory. Hardage definitely missed a few drives as well as uh, rising star Cam Ruiz, uh, another cornerback. So Northwestern, uh, the final score in this one, 45 Ohio State to 24 Northwestern. And Ohio State definitely did not have control of this one for the entire time. So what do you make of that third quarter run there? Uh, Of course, halftime, it was 24 to 7 Ohio State. Looked like you were about to count the Cats out, but that's just where they thrive. And uh, they rattled off two touchdowns pretty quickly. So uh, what do you make of that you know, fight? I think, I think they deferred, obviously, um, at the beginning of the game. And I think their plan was to come out in the second half and just trying to limit that loss that they, they sort of, I think, ex- sort of expected in the first half. Um, and they came out flying, I think. Um, it was sort of that classic Northwestern second half, we're going to come at you right away. Um, and, you know, although it did die out in the end um, with Ohio State scoring those 21 points, those first two touchdowns, I think, were super key to keeping it close. But I look back, and I think the play that sticks in my mind is that reverse flea flicker that they ran um, on that third down. Um, I think, A, they got the first down, they got 15 yards, but I think, B, it got it got fans into it, and I think that was one of the key things that I knew Northwestern would struggle with this game is that, you know, Ohio State would have 75% of the fans, but there'd be those 4,000 Northwestern fans there to cheer on. I think North for Northwestern to get those fans into the game and get them sort of trying to compete with Ohio State fans I think was good. Yeah, definitely an impressive turnout from the student body, uh, 3,500 uh were able to secure tickets out of an, a student body of 8,000, so athletics department has to feel very good about that. Um, filled the section I was sitting in, as well as several other sections uh, towards one side of the field. Definitely a lot of red in uh, in the audience, but that was kind of to be expected as they, they just kind of outnumbered us. So uh, pivoting a little bit, so Ohio State's college football playoff uh, hopes were squashed by this game. So Northwestern did pretty much enough to um, make them not in consideration over Oklahoma or even Georgia. So do you see this as an accomplishment for this Northwestern team? I think Northwestern needs to be really proud of how they played and how they competed against a really, really good Ohio State offense uh, and a really good team. Um, Obviously, I think Ohio State's really disappointed about not going to the playoffs and not even beating out Georgia, who did lose in their championship game. But for the Northwestern, I think that was a really big step in going to this game and as as Pat Fitzgerald put it in his uh, post-conference interviews like not being not accepting that we're just here and we're happy to be here like we're going to come here and we're going to compete and we're going to put points on the board and we're going to make Ohio State just a little bit nervous 
um, I think the next big step is coming back here next year. Is that we can't say, oh, we've been to we've been to this national we've been to this Big Ten championship game. You know, we've got our goals. Uh, that next step um, is tying that game at twenty four twenty four. Not throwing that interception, and I know that Clayton Thorson had a little bit of difficulty being pulled on his arm um, with that interception, but. Being able to convert on those third downs, I think that's that next step that we need to take, uh, or that Northwestern needs to take. That's a very good point. And um, once the score was twenty-four to twenty-one, Northwestern had just come to those two touch, come into those two touchdowns right after the half. It was late third quarter, and Northwestern did have two drives where they were they had the ball and they were down by three. And then there was this one call by Fitz uh, towards the end of the third quarter. Uh, it was a fourth and four, and elected to punt it away. It was around midfield. Uh, do you think that was the right choice, or do you think that um, that they could have kept go- kept rolling with the offense, which had looked good in the past couple drives? I think it was the right choice. I mean, you don't want to give Ohio State that field position if you don't make it. And I think the way that we were converting, or Northwestern was converting on fourth down, just wasn't enough for Pat Fitzgerald to call that play. Um, I think punting was the safe punt or safe uh, option, although that punt actually really didn't work out as it was only like a 15-yard punt with the penalty and going out of bounds. Um, and I think that was another thing that struggled today was our was the Northwestern punting game. Um, the first pu- couple punts were just not very, very good. Um, and then obviously that punt went out 20 yards after he kicked it. Um, so I think it was the right call. Now, it worked out a little bit because Ohio State ended up missing that field goal on a block. Um but I think the decision to punt it was good because you can't give Ohio State that short field. Mm-hmm. And uh, one very surprising aspect of this game, you mentioned the uh, the blocked field goal. That was definitely uh, a, a moment we probably weren't expecting. But uh, at the at the very beginning of the game uh, for the Cats' first score, John Moten uh, with a 77-yard touchdown at the very at the at the beginning of the game uh, actually ended up being the Cats' uh, leading rusher in this game. Uh, Isaiah Bowser was not able to really establish the ground game. Uh, in, in Coming up in this uh, in the Utah game, uh, which, well, the Cats have made it into the Holiday Bowl, and just in the future, uh, does this is this a setback for Bowser? Because he's had a lot of good games this season against some pretty quality defenses, but um, what, what, what do you make from his performance in this one, and how do you think he could improve? I think it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's, a big, it's a big game, uh, and there was a lot of pressure, I think, on Bowser coming in from Northwestern that he needs to do this because he had been that sort of catalyst to push them forward when Thorson maybe wasn't throwing it as well, maybe when the defense wasn't playing their best. Um, and, you know, although Moten did come up really big, um, on that play with that 77-yard uh, um, run, um, Bowser still had a good game. He had about 60 yards. Um, and, you know, I think that's the next step. He has taken those big games really coming up and sort of being a leader. But he is only – he's an underclassman. He's got three more years left. Uh, and I think he can take those next steps in the next three years. But I think he has to look to – come into this Utah game with sort of a chip on his shoulder saying he didn't show the way he wanted to show uh, going into that Ohio State game. And I think if Northwestern, that offensive line can give him those gaps to run through, I think he'll take them. 
Yeah, that is definitely important. And Bowser's line, while not jumping out at you, 13 carries for 60 yards, still uh, pretty decent. It's just that in this one, the Cats really did not have time. They had to play catch up for a while to establish that ground game. And uh, a lot of the the onus was passed over to Clayton Thorson to, to make throws when he needed to. And you, you are right that Bowser has two, three more good years left with this team. And uh, we'll see uh, his chemistry with incoming uh, Clemson transfer Hunter Johnson uh, in the future. Um, you know, you mentioned this sort of comeback that we were, that Northwestern was always sort of climbing the ladder uh, to come back in this game after going down. Um, there was a point, I think, um, on the Ohio State's second drive where, you know, if they scored that, I, I was really worried that that game was going to be over, that this game was going to be 60-14. Like, that was, that was an option, I think. But that penalty obviously really helped uh, going back 15 yards. But, I mean, you got to give credit to where credit is due to Clayton Thorson. He didn't have the best game he possibly could have, but he really stepped up when, when Northwestern needed him to step up. And although they lost this game, as a senior, he showed his leadership, I think. He went out on that field in the second second half, beginning of the third quarter, and he led that team to two touchdowns. He scored a touchdown running. Um, in a, in a, him running is something uh, Northwestern hasn't seen all year due to his um, surgery and injury last year. But I think Thorsten stepped up in a game where he needed to step up and show um, – show and prove to people who thought it was sort of an off year that he can he can play up to this level definitely some solid leadership we've seen from Clayton Thorson throughout this really this entire season whether it was orchestrating the comeback against Nebraska or uh stepping up here uh stepping up in the Iowa game uh may not always blow you away with his stat lines uh several games has thrown for under 200 yards but seems to make that play when the Cats need it the most and uh Certainly in that second half, uh, you have two quick drives right away. And uh, even a little later on, um, he was he was dealing in that fourth quarter when he threw that one long bomb pass to, uh, I believe it was Jelani Roberts, and then quickly got the Cats uh, within the 10-yard line uh, for the Buckeyes, but just couldn't convert there, had to settle for the field goal. At that point, it was... Uh, 31-24, but... Do you, I, do you agree going for that field goal? You know, I was ooh. sitting in the stands, and I, I thought to myself, Northwestern needs needs to get this touchdown, you know? I didn't think that three points was enough, and someone told me that, you know, if we can just make it one possession game, that's enough, but the next chance that you're going to have a have a touchdown chance against Ohio State, I think, was really limited. Um, and I thought Northwestern, you know, I didn't agree with sort of the play call to throw it twice and not try and just give Bowser the chance. I know he didn't he wasn't having the best game, but you're you're two yard two, three yards away from, from the goal line, you gotta go for it, I thought. Um I thought the fourth down, choosing to go for a field goal, um, while it did put us within a score, I thought a touchdown had been way more valuable at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um and if you're going down the field you can limit the buck like that would have pulled them to within three. And if the Buckeyes kick a field goal there, then a touchdown gives you the lead. A lot of different factors there. I don't know. It's 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 tough. It's tough. It's a very tough decision. And obviously, this is why not everybody can be a head coach. But I think I would have liked to have seen what Bowser could do, especially with um. There was a there was a set of four downs. Uh, they were at the their first and goal had six yards to go, and they they did put it to the air. Uh, Isaiah Bowser's specialty is kind of those two, three yard runs. So 
if he was able to overcome their goal line like rush defense and just make it a make it an easier make make it an easier uh touchdown then maybe you go for it fourth and two fourth and four gets a little more dicey uh not quite territory for a QB sneak into the end zone but um if it had been a fourth and two situation maybe you would have seen Thorson try to do one of those trademark QB sneaks and uh sneak into the end zone but I do agree that the touchdown definitely while it would have been more risky uh to go for the touchdown and not just get the guaranteed field goal I think the touchdown would have put them in a, a better place uh, in that game, uh, regardless of the risk you may run by not getting it. Um, so, obviously, Northwestern lost that game, and they're off headed to the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. Um, personally, I thought the Holiday Bowl wasn't really what I was expecting. I was hoping for the Outback Bowl, but Northwestern's been there. When you think about it, I'd rather be in San Diego than, than Tampa, Florida. <laughs> but they're going to play Utah, um, a team that I think is really beatable, Currently, they've got two really key players out. Uh, with a, they've, They're playing with a freshman QB because their starting quarterback broke their collarbone earlier in the year. Um, there's rumors of whether he's going to be back, but I think it's doubtful with a, a broken collarbone. And they're also missing a running back. Um, but obviously, U, Utah's defense is really good, um, and so I think it's going to be another defensive matchup. Um, and it's whether if Clayton Thorson can, for me, can step up in his last game as a, as a Wildcat. Yeah, and you've seen a lot of just close games with Utah, uh, defensive battles. Even the the one they played most recently for um, against Washington uh, to determine the the Pac Pac twelve champion. Uh, a ten to three matchup, a, a very good performance by Utah's defense there, uh, and their their offense just couldn't get it done. But that game definitely like within a touchdown with a you know, one possession game like really could have gone either way there uh Utah will be a challenge but as as you said having that freshman quarterback in there uh will give the cats an ability or a chance rather to exploit the that matchup maybe Montre Hardage comes away with uh a couple interceptions if, if he's, he plays yes yeah. if he plays uh perhaps uh just a lot of the a lot of the impact players on Northwestern's defense uh, can really step up there but yeah I agree it might be a might be a lower scoring one Clayton Thorson may not put up some gaudy numbers but hopefully he can get those um those big plays when he needs them and uh there uh, there actually is precedent for Northwestern exposing a team with their backup quarterback in the game this season because uh when, when they were playing Wisconsin they really took advantage and uh got that two touchdown victory there so um and that was against a, a good Wisconsin team. So I have faith that they can pull it off here. I also want to talk about a little bit about uh, the college football playoff. I think that's something um, Ohio State was obviously really disappointed not to make it. Um, but I, I just I saw no way. The way they played against Northwestern, um, it was the Dwayne Haskins show, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I mean, he threw all over Northwestern. But I think it's hard to say no to Oklahoma. Um, beating a really good Texas team – I, f I felt like Ohio State didn't assert themselves in the Northwestern game enough to say that we need to be in this college football playoff. You know, if they beat us, if they beat Northwestern by 40, 40 points, put up big numbers, I think there's an option. But Oklahoma winning their, their championship, beating a good Texas team, it was hard to say no. Um, and obviously you still have Notre Dame, uh, Alabama, and um, Clemson. Clemson, that's that's yes. Um, so obviously, like, what are you thinking about uh, the two matchups? Uh, you got Alabama playing Oklahoma, 
And then you have uh, Clemson versus Notre Dame. So Clemson and Alabama already uh, double-digit favorites in the spread. Uh, it would take it probably would take a miracle for Oklahoma to overcome Alabama, and that might be may, maybe people are leaning towards maybe a closer game in there. But Kyler Murray has been fantastic this season. I think he does deserve the he does deserve Heisman consideration, if not the trophy itself. But it's just hard to see how Alabama is going to be stopped at this point. They've been tested this season. They had the game against LSU, where really just not even close to a, a close game shut them out. I mean, it they they've played some unbelievable games, and and people talk about their strength of schedule, but it's print it's been a pretty tough go of it for Alabama. They've, they've played a lot of, uh, they, they have played a lot of tough games, Mississippi state, uh, Georgia, another one where they came back after down two touchdowns and they hadn't really been in that position before. So it was interesting to see how they responded there. Uh, my picks would be Al- an Alabama Clemson, uh, final championship game, uh, not super controversial, but, um, I think, I think Notre Dame maybe has more upset potential than the Oklahoma game, but I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. As for the Ohio State game, it was a it was a twenty one point victory, and it didn't feel like a twenty one point victory because those those two touchdowns at the end, like you're right about the fact that they didn't they didn't assert themselves in the entire game uh, for for the course of the entire game, and uh, that one penalty that that pretty much prohibited uh, or prevented Ohio State from jumping out to a fourteen nothing lead early, that may have actually had a significant impact there. Uh, in terms of making it a runaway game, and they certainly had a 24-7 lead at halftime, but um, who knows what could have happened if, if penalties hadn't worked in the Cats' favor in that instance. No, yeah, Ohio State just marched down the field the first drive. Um, it wasn't even – it was uncontested. Like, they were looking they very just, unstoppable. They just looked unstoppable in that second drive. That, that, was, that was the key drive that changed the game for me, that big penalty um, and that stop, and then going and, and scoring. And um, Northwestern actually – these numbers, I'm pretty sure, are correct. Uh, fewest penalties and fewest yards per penalty in the nation. So they're playing some very smart football, and there there were a few penalties from the Cats towards the end, although those, although those came in some more insignificant times. Uh, but they just they've just done a very good job so far this season of playing smart football and. You got to give credit to Fitz there and for kind of instilling that mentality in his players that. They're not going to screw up when the game is on the line. Um, you know, I was—I've been really impressed with Northwestern this year. Uh, watching their first four games, I thought it was going to be a really, really rough season. Um, Definitely, I wasn't expecting much. Uh, Thorson looked really bad coming off his injury and didn't look super confident. Uh, but that confidence grew, and I think you got to give credit to Coach Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, he won Big Ten Coach of the Year, and mm-hmm. I think it's super deserving. Um, I think. Year after year, uh, his teams really overachieve, in my opinion. You look at their them on paper; they have got some good players, but it's it's never to the to the prestige of the Ohio State's. Yet we Northwestern still goes out and competes every day. Mm-hmm. So, got to give a lot of credit to Pat Fitzgerald. Definitely, and uh, just in the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten West, even Iowa and Wisconsin, probably should have finished ahead of Northwestern theoretically. Uh, when when you're looking at a season preview that uh, maybe big sports writers would have done, or even here at WNUR Sports, a lot of people did not have the Cats uh, finishing first in that Big Ten West, and it was it was really good play there for the Cats to 
to just go an eight and one in conference play. They have the best record in the Big Ten for the past two seasons for conference play. So Fitzgerald knows how to rile up his players uh, when the when the time is right, and they got those big wins, got them into the Big Ten game. And uh, so we're going to take a quick break right now, but we will be back with more Northwestern content after this. See you then. Let's Tailgate, the official merchandiser of Northwestern Athletics, supports this broadcast of WNUR Sports. Let's Tailgate is located one and a half blocks west of Ryan Field at 1807 Central Street. You can also find them during football games at Ryan Field and in the lobby of Welsh Ryan Arena during basketball games. Let's Tailgate carries Wildcats merchandise as well as Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Bears gear. You can contact Let's Tailgate at 847-570-0105. And they are also on the web at nusports.com. Let's Tailgate, the official merchandiser of Northwestern Athletics. And we are back here at Sports Voice, uh, the Sunday night sports, two hours for WNUR Sports. I'm Ben Mosco alongside Nick Guillong, and we are talking all things Northwestern Athletics. And uh, now we're going to get into a little bit of the broader picture um, for college football, the Heisman race. There have been three just incredible quarterbacks this season, uh, Alabama quarterback Tagovi Lola, Maybe butchering that pronunciation. Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray and Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Uh, three incredible seasons in their own right. It's a very crowded race. Three really impactful QBs who have led their teams to great um, seasons thus far. Who do you have with the edge so far? My front runner is Kyler Murray. Um, you know, I think all three of the quarterbacks can and can throw the ball tremendously. Um, they've got great arms, great vision. Uh, the ability to move outside the pocket. I think they've got everything as a quarterback. Uh, the one thing that sets Kyler Murray apart for me is his ability to run with the ball um, and move move the, move it forward with his feet. Um, he had 892 rushing yards this year, um, averaging 7.3 7 yards, uh, 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, and to me, I think that sets him apart. It's just he's got something different that the other quarterbacks have um, you know, Tua's got that great vision and, and is really clutch when it comes down to it. Um, but personally, I don't think he's played the competition that, that he could have played this year. Um, he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, basically. He never had a, a point where he had to come up clutch, personally. Um, he, ended, he didn't even play in the SEC championship chain because of that injury. And I know that's a little unfair to say. But it is true he, he didn't end up playing. I think that does hurt his chances not playing as much in that SEC championship game and winning it for them. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, definitely Jalen Hurts, uh, the Alabama backup QB, leading that comeback drive. That's a very important point there. And while Tua is probably the favorite at this point, um, it's, it's really hard to say. It's a very crowded field. You have to give some credit to Haskins, and this may be a bit of a bias because – uh, I just saw him absolutely torch my cats, but setting Big Ten records for touchdown passes and uh, I believe passing yards as well, and leads Murray and Tua in those areas as well. So 
that also may be a factor of competition, but I, you make a good point there about Murray with the rushing yards. I think uh, neither QB in uh, – neither neither Tua nor Haskins can um, provide that asset of their game. And 900-plus uh, rushing yards, that's no joke. No, especially, in, I think, in, in a, a really tough conference like the Big 12, in a conference that's really physical. Um, and the competition they played this year, he – I think at the beginning of the, uh, the Big 12 championship game against Texas, Oklahoma looked a little defeatable, especially defensively, but his ability to just pick passes out of out of nowhere um, in his arm, and I think just the way he throws that ball, I think is just it's, it's different enough to set him apart. Mm-hmm. And um, Oklahoma has not they, – they did have the one loss, 48-45, to 45, uh, versus Texas. That was their uh, fourth – no, sixth, rather, game of the season – and Murray had a very good game there, 19 for 26 for 304 yards and four touchdowns. And But most importantly, in the game that mattered the most, uh, the Texas-Oklahoma game for the Big 12 championship uh, also rose to the occasion, 25 for 34, 379 yards, three TDs, zero picks. And getting that win was very important. Didn't put up any crazy rushing numbers, 10 yards. Oh, no, no, uh, 10 10 carries for 39 yards, but definitely his arm there really led the Sooners to victory there and um, a berth in the college football playoff. So it's, very good argument. It's going to be a really close race for Heisman. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be exciting to see him play in the college football playoff, and I, th- playoff, and I think it's going to be really exciting next couple of years to see them play and, and grow as players. Um, but I think today we've talked a lot about football, especially over the last hour and a half with our other two shows. So let's move on to a little bit of different Northwestern sports, uh, Northwestern basketball. Um, the men's team had two games this week, one against Georgia Tech and then the other against Indiana. Um, well, it was both close-ish wins. I think you can you can say that the Georgia Tech win isn't, isn't close because they were up by so much at half. But that Indiana loss to me is – there's there's some positives to that too. Only losing by two, two to a a competitive Indiana team. Yes, Indiana not ranked as of now, but always been a pretty solid powerhouse. You got Romeo Langford, who is a perennial first rounder, and um, just a lot of a lot of talent on that Indiana team, and not and and pretty much a, a talent a talent imbalance there. So Indiana t- kind of had more talent going into that one, and. That seems to be a theme a lot with Northwestern Athletics, but Northwestern put up a great fight. Derek Pardon certainly have had a fantastic game. And you talk about the Georgia Tech game. Northwestern was up by 28 in that one. And uh, I was on the call for that one. Watching the lead dwindle to six was certainly very frustrating, but at the end of the day, they, as Fitz likes to say, they went 1-0 in that one. So whether or not you're going to discredit them for allowing – uh, the Yellow Jackets back into that game, or you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt for pulling out with the victory uh, remains to be seen. But I like the win there, and it is against uh, ACC competition, so it's 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 definitely good to have that one. And Indiana, of course, a close loss. Coming up is Michigan this Tuesday, which should be should be an interesting one. No. Uh, yeah, Michigan, uh, as we know. Um, March Madness finalist last year ended up losing to Villanova, beat Villanova early this season, so they're probably looking for some redemption this season. Yeah, number seven, uh, ranked in the country, um, always really good in the Big Ten, really 
good team to play against. I think it was good that Northwestern got to play against Indiana before starting Big Ten competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been really worried for the Cats if they had started with Michigan, um, a team that can clearly go out and demolish teams like they did against UNC. Um, I believe it was UNC in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, 84-67 there over yeah. UNC, which is now seated 11th overall. But I think that when you look at it, Northwestern can go out and win any of these Big Ten games. I think if you look at the past seasons, um, even before uh, Coach Collins came into Northwestern, Northwestern has a big win every year against a big seeded team. I think it's not unprecedented to say that they can go out and challenge Michigan, but it's going to be a home game. Uh, Hopefully students get out. It is reading week, so I think there's an opportunity for a good home crowd for the Cats in this beautiful Welsh Ryan Arena that we have now. But it's going to be a really tough game to go toe-to-toe with a number 7 Michigan team that's looking for redemption after last year. And reminiscent of perhaps the first home game with uh, everybody everybody back on campus uh, when Northwestern played Michigan in football, of course, uh, when the the Wildcat dash happened and uh, all the freshmen turned out to the game and there's certainly a big student section presence there. Hopefully the Cats don't build up a huge early lead and lose it like in that game, but uh, certainly that Michigan-Northwestern rivalry has always kind of been there. Maybe not a super competitive one, but you you're you make a good point about how Northwestern does have that that big upset potential and that they could pull off a victory against one of these larger Big Ten teams with great records. Doing it early in the season would be a fantastic way for the Cats to build up some momentum. Their record right now, they're sitting at six and two on the season. And, uh, of course, 0-1 in conference play, as there hasn't been very much of that uh, thus far. In their second conference game, getting that win against Michigan would do wonders for the morale of this Cats team and would would be a very, very good, impactful win uh, for the rest of their non-conference games and then going into the conference schedule, a, a really great booster. I think they're definitely going to need a, a big win in the, in, in the coming weeks, especially after that loss to Fresno. Um, they looked really lackadaisical didn't look like they were out there to compete and you know I think coming back playing Georgia Tech playing well um, playing well against Indiana uh, despite the loss um, it's just a Michigan game they have to come out and they have to come out with no fear Um, they have to attack I think you know maybe you can't get into a shootout with Michigan because they're going to be better shooters they're going to be better scorers but I, if we got to get the ball, Derek Pardon and, and Vic Law, and how, allow allow uh, Northwestern's got to allow them to 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 carry them. I think. And hopefully we can just write off Indiana in general as a state as some bad juju for the Cats on this past Saturday. But uh, the home crowd should should provide a boost for Northwestern in this one. And uh, Ryan Taylor is another player that. Uh, will be pretty impactful if he's given the chance to get hot early and we saw what he can do in that Georgia Tech game just putting up absurd numbers from from three-point territory leading the Cats in scoring and uh was a bit of a non-factor in that Indiana game so if he gets hot and you see great games from Law and Pardon this could be a close one yeah uh I'm definitely excited for it I'll definitely be there um hope other students will be there um but moving on from the men's side of sports let's move on to the northwestern women's side uh it's sort of disappointing to say this but on thursday this week uh pittsburgh beat uh the northwestern women's basketball team 52 to 49 in a really in my opinion sloppy 
sloppy loss uh, for Northwestern. Um, it was just they didn't have it in them. I didn't think they had the the will to win. They didn't attack, personally. Uh, Pitt plays that two three defense, and I don't think they attacked it enough to 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 uh, deserve winning it. I think Pitt came out, um, although they didn't play all, all that well in the first half either. Um, I think they showed that they are willing to to do what it takes, and I know injuries really hurt Northwestern with the likes of like Abby Shied out. Um, but I just I think there's no excuses against a team that's Pitt that was four and four. Um, you know Northwestern had a good lead up to this game, and they just they came out sort of lackadaisical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I. Very interesting number from at the half. This was a 19 to 18 game. So I'm that that's really what defined this one is just a grit and grind game. 52 to 49. Obviously not an eye popping score, but it is a a very it's a nail biter type of game. But uh, the sloppiness that you mentioned, uh, 15 turnovers from Northwestern. They actually did force 18 on the Pittsburgh side, but just couldn't make the plays when they needed to. And um. Lindsey Pulliam with a 4 of 18 effort from the field, including 0 of 6 for three-pointers. Uh, what do you make of that stat line, and um, do you think there's anything she could do to, to alter her game? She's got to throw that game away. You know, I think it was, it was a terrible game, and everyone knows it. Uh, she knows it. Um, she's got to put that away. You know, she's got to rely on her teammates to help her out. She can't do everything, especially against the zone defense. You can't, you can't be the one doing everything. Um, I thought... Northwestern overall could have moved the ball better, and I think you can make the argument that Northwestern doesn't have the scores. You, you I mean you have Northwestern has Palace and they have, they have Pulliam, but they don't have the other scores out there, um, like they normally do, and so Pulliam has to be relied on more. But I think they could have moved the ball more, um, and just gotten better shots. I think sometimes Pulliam was just sort of content with taking one dribble and pulling up. Um, when maybe there was another pass, or we could we the Northwestern could get into the middle and then toss it out for a nice three. Um, I she, didn't think they did a good enough job of getting l- lower players like Jess San Cataldo um, into the game. Mm-hmm. And she um she did play 18 minutes there, but certainly there were more opportunities. She uh, had six points, two rebounds, two assists. Uh, We've seen that she can be instant offense on occasion. And uh, what do you think is the key to getting her into more games? And uh, what, what, what is she bringing to the table uh, when she's in there? I think, I think you got to use her sparingly. Um, she, to me, she didn't look like – now, I haven't, I haven't seen her play a lot, and she hasn't played a lot, uh, a lot of minutes. But she obviously had that really big game against UT. Um, ooh. She had that we'll really check good up game. We'll that. check up on that. But uh, I think you got to use her sparingly, get her open shots, run her plays. But she's not. I don't see her as a player that can be out there for for thirty, twenty minutes even. Um, she's she's got to just find open shots, get her out, get her in, get her out, get her in. Um, I think that's the way she can find her little rhythm in that game. Uh, but as we look forward, they play two ranked teams in DePaul and Marquette. I think those are difficult games. But I mean, they've heavily relied on. Palace this year to to try and get them points. Uh, what are you looking at for these next mm. two games? So Palace, always reliable in terms of putting up crazy stat lines. Uh, in that forty nine pointer, the a, a clunker, I might add against uh, Pittsburgh, sixteen points, ten rebounds, and five steals. So uh, two blocks as well. Certainly making her impact felt. But 
Lindsay Pulliam, a big part of her game is getting to the line, and she only shot two free throws, nailed them both, not surprised. Uh, but if she's able to drive a little more and not settle for those mid-range games, uh, or mid-range shots, rather, uh, then I think that can be a real key uh, in terms of getting these wins against ranked teams, which will be really important to build morale. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, pick them after this. As a nonprofit radio station, WNUR has maintained its